And so I think I stopped living in these definitives. And then you read all these different leadership books or different financial books or different sales books. And all these experts have different opinions. And so it's like, well, it's not like only one of them is right. You know, like they're all right in their own way. And you just pick and choose what works mm -hmm. for you. Welcome, everybody. Purpose Driven with Alex Cornwall. I'm really excited today um, with our guest, Cody Adent. He is an author, entrepreneur, just all around badass, guys. I'm really excited to, to have him on, listen to his concepts of winning the moment, his book that he wrote. You can get it anywhere. Definitely take some notes also about his life coming up, being an entrepreneur, the successes he has. Cody, thank you so much for being on. Yeah, thank you so much for having me. Tell me... Let's first start off. Let's get to know Cody a little bit. Tell us a little bit about yourself and, and your background and, and where sure. you're from. Uh, so I grew up in Cheyenne, Wyoming. Um, okay. So I lived there till I was 15. And then my dad was an entrepreneur. So he had bought a, a franchise here in St. George. And he looked at me and said, like, look, you're in 15. You're in high school. It's really up to you. Like, I want to do it. But ultimately, you're playing sports. Like, it's your high school. You tell me what you want to do. And I've never really been afraid of change. I was like, let's do it. You know, like yeah. I'd love to live where it's warm and there's palm trees. Like that sounds pretty <laughs> awesome to me. So moved to St. George and that was a tough, a tough transition as a kid. And, um, I definitely had some obstacles being non LDS and living in this LDS community, which was so different back then than it is now. Oh, uh, how long ago was that? So that would have been like 2002. Okay. Yeah. Much different, way different. And so yeah. I had some of those obstacles. I didn't know anything about it either. Like I had, I just no, no idea. Right. Yeah. Um, and so went to high school here and kind of because of that, it's like as soon as I graduated high school, I was ready to get out of there. So I moved to Hawaii six days after graduated high school. Tough life. Yeah, it, <laughs> actually it was because I had to work. So I worked at Foodland Grocery Store as a night stalker from midnight to eight. And then I would go home, shower, and then I worked at Ace Hardware from nine to five. Oh, wow. And uh, and I was really fortunate. We only had to pay the HOA at this townhome we were living in. And so it's like I couldn't have lived in any more affordable way. I lived in this beautiful townhome on a golf course, but even then it was still so expensive to live yeah. there. Uh, so came back and then I got like, got my career started, um, was in wireless, got promoted. So we moved, Megan and I moved to Phoenix, lived there for five years and loved it. Like it was such a great place to live and a great place to find our independence as young adults, like away from our family where yeah. we became a family. Uh, and then, then we, when we wanted to have a family, we decided to move back to St. George did that. As soon as my wife got pregnant, I had like that sense of anxiety, like, cause I was just working for someone else. I was like, okay, this isn't going to work anymore. Like I got a kid come and I got to really create something. So when my daughter was six months old, we moved to Houston and built a marketing company there. And Why really Houston, what's, what's that? Why Houston? Uh, so we, uh, had done this marketing thing with the wall street journal. So they had us test a BYU football game. So the wall street journal was $12 for 12 weeks. Okay. So a dollar a week, 12 bucks. And they gave us uh, money to buy items to give away to people. So we had BYU hoodies created. So like a $60 hoodie, right? And if you signed up for the Wall Street Journal for $12, you'd get the $60 hoodie. So it was a great deal because Wall yeah. Street Journal is a great value. And then you're getting a $60 souvenir for 12 bucks. And we just killed it. So after we did that, then the Wall Street Journal was like, hey, we want to give you some collegiate basketball now it's next so then we ended up doing unlv basketball that's me cool. and my dad and one of my best friends and we killed that and so that's how i was like making money getting ready for my daughter to come in addition to my career right because i was working on wireless at the time so after work we'd drive to vegas work a unlv game get home at like two o'clock in the morning and then go wow. back to work the next day 
And then so my uh, one of my best friends, Zach, he was like, I'm just going to do this. Like, I'm just going to commit. And so I was like, I'll do it, too. Like, let's just let's do it. And so then we had to get a contract with a major league baseball team because they have so many games. Yeah. So, you know, you get 85 opportunities. So we ended up getting a contract in Houston. So that's what took us to Houston. And then we got we got all the professional collegiate teams there. We ended up getting San Antonio, Dallas, Cincinnati, Denver, Phoenix, L.A., San Diego, Wow, uh, we built it all over the place. Our last year there, we paid out over a million dollars in commissions. But then, when my son, when my wife got pregnant with my son, it was like, okay, it's time to come back home, and that's what brought me back to St. George. So, I mean, you mentioned let's go back a little bit. You sure. mentioned your father um, decided to move here, yeah, to start a franchise, yeah. So that entrepreneurial—that's a hard word, entrepreneurial <laughs> spirit, spirit. Yeah, that's been part of you growing up. Yeah, he was. Did that really define like your your drive to start businesses? I think I even had it before that because that both my parents were teachers, okay, and so they were teachers for a long time. But like even in second grade, and I started like my first business out of my basement. They were still teachers at that time, uh, and my dad started being like left teaching. I think when I was in about fourth grade, and so I think I already it was just like instinctually in me, you know, and really. If anything, my dad's entrepreneurial spirit should have made me want not want to do that because yeah. our life was such a roller coaster, you know, like we yeah. had really good times. We had really bad times. Um, but maybe oh, exactly. that gave me the fortitude to, to know that's just what it is. You know, yeah. it's like I went into it knowing there's ups and downs. There's ups and downs, left and right and back and forth. And Absolutely. And some. Yeah. That's awesome. So um, you did mention, too, that your your dad was highly involved starting out in a lot of your careers. Yeah. Your yeah, absolutely. Well. Yeah. He, he helped, helped me. Out. So I started my first like real business when I was 19 called the cell phone guy here in St. George on Bluff Street next to Crazy Bob's. It's just a dirt That was you? Now. That was me. Yep. Okay. Yeah. Yep. That was me. Um, and so he helped me get the loan for that and, and like showed me how to use QuickBooks and, and gave me like those tips and tricks. Like, here's what I've done. Here's what I do. Here's what you want to be careful of. And so he really gave me all that support and like helped me paint the store and build all the stuff. And so he was always, you know, a great cheerleader along the way. And then he, his franchise was Merry Maids. So if okay. you remember Mary Maids, yep. that was his. And he had him, he had one in Cheyenne, St. George, Greeley, and Corpus Christi, Texas. But in 2008, when the economy crashed, obviously, like, people stopped paying to have their houses cleaned. You oh, know? Yeah. So that, that industry got hit pretty hard. And so then it, that's kind of like when our relationship shifted because I had gotten into wireless. And then so I got him to work for the same wireless company that I did. So he ran Mary Maids. Uh, on the side and then went and worked at wireless advocates, which is on all the Costco's yeah. and did that. So him and I then worked together like in the same industry for a bunch of years and he ended up working for me a couple of times. And, uh, so it was like a full circle. What are some of your biggest things that you, you know, starting these businesses and, and building them, like, especially going to Houston, starting yeah. out from scratch. Yeah. What are some of the biggest setbacks that you faced that you had to overcome and some of the biggest wins as well? I think like if you're talking, wins going to Houston because like you said we didn't have anything and yeah. it was all commission based too right so it's like if if we sold it's a leap I yeah. mean you took a leap huge in leap yeah. huge you know my daughter was six months old I'd never even been to Houston before I didn't know anything I didn't know anyone and also we only had the contract for the Astros so that after that six months it's not like we knew we were getting other things yeah. and there was no salary. It was just these publications and we were really smart because we went to the local publications too. So we went to the Houston Chronicle and said, Hey, we do this for the wall street journal. You want us to do it for you too. And so that was just wildly successful. Like right from the get, like our very first week opening week, um, for Astros, we just absolutely, like it was better than we could have ever imagined. So as far as wins go, like they're like that whole journey of that company was just amazing. But when you talk about like losses and struggles and heartaches, 
like with Vibrant, which will be five years this April, uh, because we are in this industry that is always changing, right? Mm -hmm. There's things that are outside of our control, politics, COVID. Um, we've had lots of ups and downs there. You know, there was one time during COVID, all of our clients had to let us go because they, they didn't know what their future was going to be. You're talking about your current business right mm -hmm. now. Yep, so tell us I'm a little bit about that business. Yeah. So Vibrant Management, it, we're lo located here in St. George, Utah, and we are a, a boutique hospitality management company. And so we specialize in really unique destinations. Uh, we can do everything from revenue management, marketing to full management, where we do all your finances, we run your, your housekeeping, we run your payroll, we do it all. So you can just collect your distribution checks however often you like to collect them you know That's awesome and we'll take it take care of everything else but during that process in covid all of our clients had to let us go because they didn't know what was going to happen you know how yeah. long this was going to last if they were going to be able to come back from it and we said like look we'll work for free because you can't like just you can't not answer the phone anymore because there are still going to be people who are coming but i understand why you can't have that commitment to pay us and so we got down to where we only had eleven dollars and 37 cents on our checking account and if we didn't close this one deal, which we ended up doing a branding deal for Hawaiian skincare line, so completely outside of hospitality, outside of our niche, just but we had to something. find something that was going to be able to keep the lights on yeah. um, to get us through, you know? And so thank goodness that we did, but lots of, lots of ups and downs. And that's just what entrepreneurialism is, you know? Well, that's so crazy. I mean, you went from advertising yeah. to cell phones. Yeah. To hospitality. Yeah. It's been a, it's been a wild road. That's why <laughs> when I go talk at college and the kids are like, Oh, you know, how do you know what you're going to, you wanted to do? Or how do you like, how did you become successful? It's like, well, first off, how I became successful is irrelevant because your success might be different than my success. Let's talk about how you define success. And number two, I, I didn't know what I was going to do. Well, let's talk about that. How do sure. you define success? For me, I define success as freedom. Right. And okay. what that means to me is like freedom to do what I want to do when I want to do it. Right. So because I am fortunate to have built this company, like if my son has a soccer game or a basketball game or my daughter has gymnastics, I get the opportunity to go be at those games. Yeah. Right. Because freedom isn't I don't want to work because I love working. Like I'm probably the type that will never retire because I enjoy the grind. I enjoy being there. I enjoy being with the team, but I enjoy doing it on my time. Right. And I get to determine what, how we interact with clients and mm -hmm. how we manage our day and what my day looks like. And if my kids are sick, I can work from home that day. You know, I don't have to ask for permission. So really for me, success was getting to a place where I got to be in charge of my destiny. I love that. I love, honestly, we're very, very similar. I mean, for me, success is freedom. Yeah. It's that time spent. Not only I can do what I want to do, but with who I want to do it. Absolutely. I mean, that's the biggest thing yeah. too, is like, I get to decide who I want to be with, when I want to be with them and who I want to work with too. I think a lot of times success, you know, you hear a lot of these people that they have to go to the grind and they have to grind, man, I really just don't want to work with these kind of people. I just don't want to do this, but I have to. Yeah. No, you don't. Yeah. Success is being able to choose who you work with and how you work. Yeah. And that's a lesson we've learned at Vibrant too. Like we have a people analyzer, which is like our five core values for our company. And so that's how we hire and fire. You've got to, you got to fit those core values. Cause it, yeah. and if you don't, you're not going to like it anyway. So you're not going to like working there and we're not going to like you working there. And we realized that those core values also work for our clients. So now we want to be really selective in who we bring on because if they're not a core value fit, then it's always going to be a struggle anyways. Yeah. You know, we're just going to be bumping heads. It's so true. And let's talk a little bit. I mean, I mean, you, you, you mentioned it a little bit prior just a little bit ago that you said um you know in 20 and when was that 2020 2020 COVID? yeah uh -huh. i mean COVID hit your business took a shot but there was something else to happen in your life too that i've heard from other podcasts that you've been on yeah there was kind of that shift of, of you really wanted that you weren't it sounds like to me 
you know, listening to your story. Yeah. That you weren't living your potential. You weren't yeah. living, you weren't living what fulfilled you. Absolutely. Talk so, about that a little bit. So that was really at the end of 2018, I realized like, man, I've always shown up professionally, right? Like I've always been successful professionally. I've done anything that's ever been asked of me. I, I've met or exceeded expectations, right? So if I worked for you and you said, be at the office at six o'clock in the morning, I'd be there, be there on Saturday, I'd be there. But when I said like, I'm going to go to the gym at 6am or I'm going to do this side project, I just never did it. You know, like I always, I don't know. Cause I made excuses. I let my mind win, you know, like I wasn't in control. My mind wasn't and our mind. Like we have a prehistoric brain that wants us to be comfortable and safe. Mm-hmm. So when your alarm goes off, your mind is like, no, just like stay here and it's warm and it's comfortable and you don't want to be uncomfortable. Well, well it's you like know? you said, I mean. You're, you'd rather show up for other people, but when you start, when yeah. you decide you want to show up for yourself, you never do it. So much harder. You I'm know? the same way. So I, I think, mean, I, I think, think most I, people are. They are. I mean, when my wife asked me to go somewhere or do something, yeah, sure. I'll be there. Yeah. When I want to do it, like no joke, even yesterday, I, I had full intention to wake up and I was, you know what? I'm going to go for a little run. Did I do it? No. No, <laughs> I didn't. Yeah. Because you get caught up with other bustle yeah. in life. You're like, yeah, I'll just do it tomorrow. Yeah, right. It's there's always tomorrow. There's always that tomorrow. was my biggest thing too. Is like it was always like if I thought about it on a Thursday, it's like okay, well, obviously I'll start Monday. Yeah, because I got the weekend and Friday, you know, and then Monday comes and it's like oh well, Sunday was kind of difficult. So and there are excuses, and I always say that excuses are lies you tell yourself, right? Yeah, it's that internal struggle, and it's like who's going to win that battle in your mind? Your mind or you? Yeah, you know, your subconscious or your conscious. And so I needed to find a way to break that that model for myself. Right. And so I was like, how can I create a sense of accountability for myself so I can start showing up for myself? Cause if I show up for myself, I'm going to be more able to show up for other people anyways. Yeah. And so it ended up being just a really basic spreadsheet with Y's and N's, yeses and no's greens and reds. And that reward system allowed me to like start to build these habits. And once the habits were built, then it was easy, but it was breaking those old habits. That was so difficult. And so I ended up having an amazing year. I lost 40 pounds. I read a bunch of books. Like I had the best personal life that I've had in like my adulthood. Yeah. And so in January of 2020, I did a post on LinkedIn where I shared that story and it just blew up, you know, and I didn't have a big following or anything like that. And it got like 2,500 comments or no 2,500 likes, 500 comments, quarter of a million views. Like it just blew up. And I said, Hey, you know, if you are successful professionally, but fall short for yourself, here's a spreadsheet I used. I'll give it to you for free. You know, and I had a bunch of people ask for it. So I I made them for them, sent it out to them. Um, But then COVID happened. Right. And I was like really killing it then. Then I started doing two a days. Like I was really owning my, my life. And then I allowed myself to become a victim and fall into that mentality and create excuses. And it was like, well, everything sucks. So whatever, you know, I'm going to suck too, Uh, which is terrible because it just like a stock. If you, if you invest in stocks, it takes a long time to climb, but it can fall to zero instantly. Habits are the same way. It takes a long time to build them, but you can lose them in a heartbeat. Right. And so all of a sudden I'd, I'd lost everything that I had gained. And so I was like, gosh, you know, like how can I get back? How can I bring that spreadsheet to life? And I was reading a bunch of books on psychology and willpower. And that's when I realized, like, as humans, we only have so much willpower in a day. And so I was like, okay, so that's part of the problem. Because I'm pretty good all day long until about, like, 9 o'clock. Like, when the kids go to sleep and it's just on me, that's when I'm really willing to just let it all loose, you know? And work's over, family time's over. Like, it's just on me. And I guess I just don't care. I didn't care enough about myself because then I would let it all, all hang out. And so I had to figure out a way to shift that. And that's where I came up with winning the moment and having the 10 bracelets and using that, like, that little shift um, to, to create that and cement that in your mind of, like, okay, I'm making these changes. Uh, and then 
I went to like my peers and my friends that like, I want to think I want to write a book about this. Like, I think it could really be something, you know, and we were reading a book with Vibrant and Brett called me one day and said, dude, everything in this book, like, I feel like you've said it to me. Like you just, you got to do it. You just got to write it. And I was like, I know I really do. And then that next Monday I got a message on LinkedIn from my, uh, publisher saying like, Hey, we've come across your information. We're interested in writing a book with you. And then that's kind of how it all started. And that to me was just like the so universe. They actually came to you. Yeah. Uh huh. They yep. actually came to you for that. Yeah. They, so awesome. they found me and, and, and then I went through the process because it wasn't like we want to do a book with you. It was like, we think you've got some interesting insights. Yeah. Tell us your story. And then if we think your story is compelling and there's a case for a book to be made, then let's well, do it. I think you, I think you hit on something really important there. Um, your friend, and, and it's true for everything out there. I mean, you get into this realm, you get into space. That's actually one of my biggest things that I struggle with is my message is the same as other people's. Yeah. Right. <laughs> like, like, yeah. like he just said, told yeah. you, he's like, everything I'm reading in this book is yeah. exactly what you're saying. Like yeah. you need to say it. And it held me back for a while. Like, why would I go out and just repeat what other people are? For sure. Saying? Yeah. And one thing that I've realized really quick is sometimes people won't resonate with your story, but yeah. they'll resonate with mine. Absolutely. And vice versa. Absolutely. And that's why it's important to share. So expand on that a little bit too. Like, cause sure. you, you, you hit on that. Well, so like the first chapter of my book is I know nothing because it's like the more I've educated myself, the less I've realized that I know, like definitively know, like, yep. is the world round? Like, I'm pretty sure it is, but I don't, I don't know. I don't seen, know. No, seen the horizon. Did we go to the moon? <laughs> like I think we did, but do I know we did? No, I don't. You know, and so I think I stopped living in these definitives. And then you read all these different leadership books, or different financial books, or different sales books, and all these experts have different opinions. And so it's like, well, it's not like only one of them is right. You know, like they're all right in their own way, and you just pick and choose what works mm -hmm. for you. And so, like I just finished this book, The Gap and the Gain, and it's written by a guy with a PhD, and it is eerily similar to my book. Like our philosophies are basically the same yeah. uh, and unbeknownst to me, I didn't know that book. I didn't know it was in that book until I read it just last week. Uh, and I thought to myself like, wow, this is so amazing. One, it re it like validates my beliefs, but then also is written by a doctor. So someone who isn't a doctor or doesn't believe they have a doctor's mind may not find value in that because like, well, yeah, he's a doctor. It's different for him, you yeah. know, but I'm just a regular dude. So maybe someone's like, oh, well, he's just a regular guy like me. He didn't go to school, you know? So like, maybe that'll work for me, even though our message is the same, just the way that they perceive the, the messenger can change their ability to uh, receive the message. Yeah. So talk us through the process uh, and you're absolutely right. Share your story. That's yeah. what I tell people, you know, just to, yeah. just to close that part of it is share your story. Don't be scared to share it because yeah. it will resonate with people. Let's hit on a little bit about while you're writing the book. Um, talk, take us through that process. So you decided, I think I'm going to do this. Yeah. Was it just like that? And it just happened. Um, so like once I decided like, yeah, I really got this message and then the universe, like I believe the universe wants us to have the best life that we want for ourselves and it'll give us signs, you know, and you have to see those signs and act on those signs. Yep. Right. And if you don't act on it, then eventually the universe, is like well, that guy's full of shit. He says he <laughs> wants to do that, but he doesn't really care, you know? Yep. And so it'll stop showing up. And so I got that sign for the book and I, and I, and I took it and I, and I did have that idea at the time of like this winning the moment. Like I had cemented, this is like, and maybe that's why the opportunity didn't come till then. Cause I didn't really have a cement a cemented idea of what I wanted to talk about. And so then shared my story, shared my perspective. And the publisher was like, I love it. I think it's a great idea. Let's do it. So we started and just talked about like, what are the, what's the, what's the, the story arc? How, how are we going to have the chapters? And I don't really know anything about how to build a book, you know? So luckily I had that team behind me helping, but we really went through and created the chapters that we wanted. And then I would just work with my ghostwriter every week. And we'd basically just have a conversation about what every chapter was. And 
it was a really interesting process because it was really just me telling stories. Mm -hmm. And when you read the book, it reads that way. And so like going on Amazon now and reading reviews of people who have read the book, it's like, oh, he tells it in a story format. And it's like, I love the way that he writes. And it's like, well, because it's really just me talking, you know? And so I think that's what makes it so digestible to read. I'm really glad that it reads that way because I find myself struggling to read books that don't have a story aspect of it, you know? And I try and take the principles and tie it back to me and show Mm -hmm. like, look, this is how I did it, or this is how I overcame it, or this was my struggle, just to make it more relatable. Yeah. Why winning the moment? I think because too often, especially in today's world, it's so easy to get stuck anywhere than where we are. We expand on that a little. We daydream about like what the future could be or what our hopes and aspirations are. And I like to say like, I'll be happy when moments, you know, mm-hmm. I'll be happy when my podcast has a thousand episodes. I'll be happy when I have 500 subscribers or I'll be happy when I get that new house. And so when you say that, our mind doesn't know the difference between what's real and fake. So if you if you say and think things, our body reacts as if it's real. Yep. And so when you say I'll be happy when your body has like taken note to say, okay, Cody, we cannot be happy until this thing happens. And sometimes we wear it as like a badge of honor, like, oh no, I'm not even satisfied. Yeah. And it's like, that's dumb. Because what if you don't make it to that point, you know, or what if you change and then that's, and you decide once you get closer, you don't even want it. And then you delayed all this happiness for something that you ended up not even wanting anyways, like find happiness today, find it in the moment. Right. And so I think the idea is just to bring bring people present. And a lot of people just worry too much about their past too. And they made a mistake or they had a bad investment or they didn't take a job they should, and they just let it eat them up inside or they had a bad relationship. And once that thing has happened, you can't change it. So you've got to find a way to put yourself in the moment. I think that's the idea is it just makes you be present. So how do you be present in the moment and also have that intention? I think, I think it's important to know where you're going, right? And to have an aspiration, but not to say, I'll be happy when I get there. Say, this is where I want to go. And I know that every day I got to do things to get there. And I'm going to find the happiness and success in all of those little victories. Because it's going to take a thousand victories to win a war, right? And so enjoy those little victories. And I I like to say, I like to steal Jim Collins from Good to Great. He's got that big, hairy, audacious goal. And reading the books that I've read, like Vishen Lakhani always says, we have an ability to underestimate what we can do in a year. Like you said, a New Year's resolution, like I'm going to have a six pack and I'm going to do this and that, right? That's mine. That's what I think. And, <laughs> but realistically, I'm not going to have a six pack in a year, but I probably could in three years, you know? So we you have, have it t- in three months if you wanted to. <laughs> Shoot. I don't know, man. <laughs> not me. <laughs> not with my lifestyle, but you're probably right. With the right lifestyle. Absolutely. So, um, so we have a tendency to overestimate what we can do in a year, but underestimate what we can do in three years. So I say, put a huge goal out there that has like a 50, 50 chance of success, because if you fall short of it, you're still going to be wildly successful and more successful than you were when you started, right? But figure out how to work towards that every single day and be focused on the thing in front of you, like right now, not the thing that's three years down the road. Well, one thing you've said in the past that I've heard you say, it's, um, I actually wrote it down here. It's only unrealistic until it actually happens. Yeah. And that's so true. I mean, you set those audacious goals and a lot of people like, why are you even setting that? Yeah. Well, it may be unrealistic to you, but it will happen eventually. Yeah. I mean, everything amazing was unrealistic at some point. I know. Like, and that's one of the concepts I, I love, you know, when you actually hear you, the biggest t- skyscraper was still a, a vision in somebody's mind before yeah. it became that skyscraper. Right. Airplanes weren't re- realistic. I know. They're still not. I don't even know how it works. I don't either. <laughs> like and through a whole bunch of force, this plane yeah. takes off. Right. right. Like, and floats. Yeah. And even, yeah, think about a boat. Like how in the hell does that boat Yeah, like, float? big container ship? It's like, that doesn't make any sense. It makes no sense whatsoever. <laughs> yeah. And it's only unrealistic until it actually happens. Yeah. And it also brings me to that saying, um, 
stop living in the realm of realistic and start living in the realm of what's possible. Absolutely. Because anything is possible if you put your mind to it. Wouldn't well, you agree? Yeah. And that's where it starts is in your mind. You yeah. know, so I, I like to tell the story that I really, given that my uh, childhood had like all those ups and downs, like what I really craved was stability, right? For like my new family, the family that I created is like, oh, I want to be stable and safe. Mm-hmm. And so that's what I ended up with. So I lived in an 893 square foot house with my wife, my two kids and two dogs. And my mortgage was 600 bucks a month. And it was awesome because I knew nothing can ruin Shit this. could hit the fan and you'd still be okay. Yeah. No matter what, like I could go sell t-shirts on the corner. I could garage sell every weekend. Like no matter what, that mortgage is getting paid. My family's got a, like a house. How much does that hold you back though? Oh, so much. That, and that's what I realized is. Yeah. So then I was reading this book in our group again. And it was talking about thoughts and like, and in your mind. And I was like, holy shit. Like I've always gotten everything I've wanted in life, but I never asked for very much because I wasn't like striving for greatness. I was striving for comfort. And so I changed the way that I was thinking. And this was in 2020 and my habits weren't good. And once I changed my mind, it's amazing what happened. Like since then I got my book, I got my dream house, I got my dream car, like all these incredible things. And my habits were arguably worse than in years past. But my mind had opened up the possibility to all of these things happening. And so then the universe was finally like, okay, he's did ready. You, did you feel a shift from that scarcity mindset to the abundance mindset? Is that what you're oh, talking yeah, about? Oh, yeah. Yeah, that's part of it for sure. Yeah. It's, right. Stop like not thinking like, oh, I got to do – it might not be there. Like vibrant's going to go away and it might not be successful. And if that happens and if the company goes out of business, then I need to have all my ducks mm-hmm. in a row to be able to withstand like that loss. Like now it's not even a thought, you know, it's like, how could people, I mean, talking with the audience here, I mean, how can somebody, if they are in that situation where it's all just about security, like I can't quit this job. I can't do this because this is the security. This is how I take care of my family, but I really desire to do this. Yeah. Like, how did you take that leap? Well, I think part of it is we understand as humans, how you have to exercise your body. Mm -hmm. Like if you want your body to be fit and strong, you have to exercise. Yeah. Your mind's no different. If you want your mind to be fit and strong, then you better exercise it, you know, through reading, through conversations, through your peers, through the group you surround yourself with. And if you do all those right things, then you'll find the right path. And so I think that that that's the challenge I give them. And you can always start while you have that security. I think it'll, I think it'll hold you back and you'll, and you'll be more successful if you just commit. And if you really believe in yourself and you believe that you're doing the right thing and you make that commitment, then I think that you'll, you'll find success. And if you fail, you're not going to, it's not like the world's going to end. Well, let's talk about failure. A little yeah. bit. I mean, being an entrepreneur, you failed a lot. Absolutely. Okay. What have you learned from the failures in your past that have helped you get to where you are today? That nothing is definitive, right? Like when I was really young, I got stuck in a Ponzi scheme and I lost like all the money I had and, and, and some, cause I had leveraged money. Cause I thought like, this is great. I'm going to get a cash advance on the credit card. And, like, <laughs> that's awesome. And in that moment, it felt devastating. Like I legitimately lost everything that I had. And so in that, in that moment of time, being young, not being aware, not having the knowledge I have today, I really thought like it was over. Yeah. Like you can't get back. You can't bounce back from this. This is it. Like my life's over. I'm 20 years old and it's already ruined. Well, now looking back, of course, that's not true, you know, but you, you don't have the ability to have that foresight till you have the losses. And that's why I think losses are important. And that's why I challenge people. I had lunch today with a guy who was talking about his friend who was afraid to make the leap to entrepreneurialism because he had that, that security, you know? And I think that that's why you want to strive for as much as you can when you're younger, because this gentleman had a wife and a kids and he was afraid because he had commitments. And it is harder when you're committed to other people besides yourself. So when you're young, just, tr- just try everything, you know, because the failures don't feel as impactful and, and you're only falling short for yourself. What about that 40 or 50 year old that, that's <laughs> not young? Well, if you've got the mental fortitude, then you got to do it. You get what I'm saying? You know what I mean? Because how many people out there, I mean, 
I'm getting older. I'm 40, yeah. 41, 35. You know? So, I mean, I just see in the, my friend group or people that I surround myself with, those people that, that want to take that leap, but can't. And I think you hit something. It's taking a chance on yourself. Yeah. Cause I think that's what most people fault. Yeah. I mean, you had to take a chance on yourself to actually have the confidence to write the book. Absolutely. Oh yeah. And that was scary, you know, cause it's like, I'm being vulnerable. I'm sharing my message. And did you have some imposter syndrome? Oh God. Yeah. Okay. Expo- expand yeah. on that a little bit. Like that feeling of imposter. Cause yeah. Cause it's, it's, it's big. I talk about it a lot on here because it's something I struggle with a lot. Well, you kind of said it, you know, like, or may, I think you said it, like, who am I, you know, like, yeah. who am I to share my message? That's kind of how I felt about the book. It's like the publisher thought it was a good idea, but unless people buy it and then what if people don't buy it, you know, and that mm-hmm. could absolutely happen. You know, they could just, nothing could come of it. Yeah. Uh, but I think looking at it now, it's like, it was never about like, I didn't write the book for money. I wrote the book for opportunity. Right. I wrote That's it huge. because I wanted to be able to have an opportunity to share my message and make a difference in people's lives. And the book was a catalyst to that opportunity. I never wrote it thinking like, oh, I'm going to make a bunch of money on this book. I thought this is going to provide me a platform and an opportunity. I, I would, I would switch that word opportunity with value. Sure. Yeah. I want to provide more value yeah. to people. Cause and, a lar- and a larger work. audience, you and know, a larger like audience. I can now someone in India can buy my book and, and it can change their life, you know? And I never would have had that opportunity before. That's so true, man. It's so true. I mean, explain a little bit to talk us through where you are currently right now with the book, where you, where you want to go? Like what, what, I mean, you say you want to help a lot of people. Where did that drive to help people come from? That's a great question. And I don't know that I know other than just from my experience. Like, so most of my career was spent in sales. And so naturally a lot of that was in sales leadership. Mm-hmm. So I had a team of people who were working for me and my favorite part of my job was seeing the difference in their lives, okay. you know, like helping them change their mindset. Like someone who came in, they just got the job because they needed a job. They weren't even motivated in sales. They weren't motivated necessarily at all. And showing them how like by changing the way that they view things that can change their entire life and seeing them take you know, starting from a part-time sales rep to becoming a district manager with a six-figure salary plus commission, you know, and like what that does for their life. And now they're married and they have kids and they have a house and seeing that growth was just so rewarding. And so I think I've always just, like once I found that itch, I've always wanted to scratch it, you know, because it's so rewarding to be able to see people go from where they are to where they can be. And I think globally, we underperform what we're possible of. Like, I think so many people are living underneath their potential. And so when you can help, why do you think that is? It's easier. I, I agree with you on that. It's easier. Like, you know, like, explain, easier. What do you mean? Like explain that, explain your, con- I your think, thinking behind that. I think that like, if you think about life, it's easier to just get a job and have someone pay you for a job. And you know, that job will cover your expenses. That's so much easier than going out and trying to build something and create value and create something of your own. Do you own. think that's instilled in a younger, I mean, I tr- I truly believe that's instilled in us from a younger age. I mean, we go to school, you have to sit there, you have to be quiet. You have to obey what the teacher says Yeah, and you're, you go to college and the same concept and yeah. you're doing this to go to school so you can land a good job, you know? there's that sense of entitlement, not entitlement. What's the word I'm looking for? That, that it was just, it, it's all planned for expectation. Expectation. Maybe. Yeah. yeah. I mean, the school system in college was specifically designed to create a workforce. Like, don't get me wrong. I'm not bad mouthing college. Cause I know I'm yeah. going to get shit for saying stuff like that. Do I agree in college? Yeah. Cause for a doctor or a, a lawyer. therapist or a lawyer, yeah. I mean, I don't want somebody giving me, you know, advice met- medically that, didn't go to school. Yeah. Cut, you know cutting me open and giving yeah. me heart surgery. <laughs> exactly. I don't want my attorney to I go. Don't, yeah, I don't want, want the best door knocker to give me open heart surgery. Exactly. So there is a place and a time for school. Yeah. 
but I, I truly believe that, that it's just trained us. Yeah. Wouldn't you agree? Absolutely. I mean, we, the school system is meant to create a workforce. Like when they created college is because they had this young workforce. Cause this was like people were 15, like building cars, being in the workforce. And they thought, man, if we can create this system so we can take these children and they can go to that and spend four years learning how to be good employees, then we're going to be even more successful. Like, and so that it it is, it's built for, and we need that, right? Like you need it, you need a workforce, you need employees, you need people to do those jobs that everyone wants to do, but you also need leaders and you need visionaries. You need people to push the envelope. And I, I think you, you said it as well, where you said that it's easy. Yeah. How easy is it just to go get a job, just get the nine to five, it pays my bills, just live my life. I don't have to worry about anything, go home, put my feet up afterwards do the grind all all again tomorrow. And I think it's really fear too, right? It's fear of failure because you're not going to fail at just doing your job. But if you went out and tried to build something yourself, you could fail. And that, and that fear, I think is what holds people back from living to their full potential. And in so many ways too, just like even our bodies, what our bodies can do, like if we put in the right nutrition and we do the right things, like all of our bodies, like you see what people used to look like, like Roman statues. It's like all of us can look like that. We could, if we live that way, you know? So it's like, if you want that, you can do it. And there's so many, there's so many things in life that we can do that, we just never even unlocked that potential. And I think when you find people really have that purpose, they've unlocked it. And that's, and you're like, God, oh, why is that person so happy? Or how do they do that? It's because they found their purpose. And so they're working for something larger than just tomorrow. Let's talk about that a little bit. Cause I mean, purpose driven. Yeah. It's yeah. All about it. <laughs> you know, how does someone find do you? Do you think somebody finds their purpose or do they rediscover it? I've got my own theory about this. I think it could be both. It just takes a lot of introspection, you know, like it's not going to happen just like, you're not going to wake up one day and be like, oh, you know what my purpose is? Like, you've got to dig deep for it. And I think it's so, it's like an onion. It's so many layers deep. You know, it's like when I used to have my sales teams and I'd ask them like, if they're struggling, oh, what's going on this month? And the first answer is always bullshit. Mm-hmm. Oh, it's slow or whatever. It's like, okay. It's it's external factors. Yeah. The market's yeah. Uh-huh. bad. Uh-huh. So then it's like, oh, okay. So it's slow. So how many people have you talked to? Oh, you know, I don't know. It's so slow. I didn't talk to anybody. Yeah. And it's like, that's not true. Then you you keep going and eventually they're going to be like, actually, my girlfriend broke up with me and I've been really depressed. I'm having a hard time coming to work. And it's like, okay, now we have something we can really talk about because I can help you with working through that. I can't change when people come into the store every day. You know, it's like now we've got a real thing that we can work to improve. And so I think purpose is that same way. Like you have to just keep digging in through trial and error too. I think you got to do a lot of stuff, figure out what you like, figure out what you don't like, and then start building on that and keep discovering like, okay, why, why do I like this? What? And when you think about when you're a kid and you didn't have any outside forces telling you what to do and you found joy in things, like what brings you joy and try and find a way that you can create a life built around what, what brings you joy. I love what you said. It's, it's all about, it is both. I agree yeah. with you. It is finding and rediscovering every single day yeah. what that purpose is. And I truly believe too, that a lot of purpose comes from failure. Oh it yeah. It comes from suffering. When you truly find your purpose, it came out of suffering. Absolutely. When you agree. Yeah. It's on the other side of it. It's on the other side. Yeah. And rediscovering that is sometimes you still have to go through the shits. Sometimes you still have to go through that failures and that, that setback to realize what your true purpose is. Well, yeah. And you're never going to, you, I always say you can't arrive at success because even if you are to your own definition, successful right now, you got so much life ahead of you. You don't know what could happen. You know what I mean? Like the national park could come in and say visitation's done. 
And then my businesses would all You're be screwed. severely impacted, you know? <laughs> so it's like, it, you just never know what could happen. Right. Yeah. And so I think that that's why it's always, it's always evolving, right? Just like, I don't believe you can arrive at success. I don't think your purpose will, will ever be stagnant. I think throughout your life as things change and as you get partnerships and as you get children and as you are in different stages of your life with different capabilities, I think your purpose is going to be different. How has this affected your relationship with your spouse? The book itself? The book and just just finding your purpose and, and moving this way in your life. I think it's been really good because my wife and I have been together since we we're so young. I was okay. 18 and she was 17. And so we've each had like our own and we've never grown like together. We never grew like this. It was like, it was like we're going at separate times, you know? And so always interesting I, how I, that works. I've shared the story on other podcasts about like how she really had some growth and it was really challenging in our relationship. And now like now that I'm really embracing winning the moment and I'm like, now I'm having this growth shift and it's motivating her. So she's like, oh man, I'm loving it. So she's making all these positive changes and she's back in the books and she's on her grind. And so now it, like we're elevating together, you know, and whoever you spend your most time with is going to be a, a pretty good reflection of you. And so you want to make sure if you're on a journey that you got people who support that journey with you. Yeah, I totally agree with you. And and have you seen that influence impact her life? To the Oh yeah. Yeah. Like, she's like already this year, she's, she's, she's had like the most consistent exercise regimen she's ever had. I love it. She's back to reading books, which she really loves, but it's so easy to just like turn on Netflix on your phone when you're putting the kids to sleep instead of getting out a book, you know, or wake up in the morning and just scroll on your phone versus grabbing a book. And so now she's doing all of those things that make her so happy, but for whatever reason she got out of the habit of doing them. And so she's really embraced that again. Well, I think everybody gets out of the habit. Yeah. Most of of the time. I mean, I've got a, I've got a saying where I'd rather be 80% consistent in my life than hundred percent sporadic. Yeah, that's good. I, like I mean, that. cause if you think about it, if you're hundred percent sporadic, you're always starting over. Yeah. You're going good, good, good. Like it's that whole yeah. concept of going to the gym. Yeah. You know, you go to the gym three months and you're starting to look good. After three months, you're starting to feel better. You're yeah. starting to look better visually. Yeah, right. Take a week off and go eat like shit. What's going to happen? You won't be back for another nine months. Exactly. At least. Max, and you lose it like that. And yeah. What, and Just like the stock. And you're starting over. Yep. It's the exact same concept. Yep. You know, so I would rather be 80% consistent in my life. Hell, 70. And that's really the, what I love about winning the moment with the bracelets is that I'm not saying I'm going to win every day. Talk about the bracelets a little bit. Yeah. So you've got, so I got 10 bracelets on and I move them over as, as I make those little wins in my life. And, and for me, I want you to define what a win is for you, right? Okay. Like, I'm not saying this is what a win what's should a win, be. What's a win for you? My first win is getting up when my alarm goes off. Okay. Because I love to snooze or like just... Or Wait, even... you're, you're, you're a man, <laughs> yes, you're a human, yes. loves to sleep. <laughs> and Wait so, a second. <laughs> so not only would I snooze, but maybe I just forget it all. Like I'd say, I'm going to get up at six and start my day early. But then I'm like, well, I don't actually have to get up till eight. So I'll just sleep those extra two hours, you know? So now it's alarm goes off. Boom. First win of the day, move that bracelet over. And having that little bit of accountability has allowed me to shift that bad habit. Then I found that I do the best and I meditate right when I wake up. So mm-hmm. I hit a meditation. So boom, I win the next bracelet. Then I go up to our gym do my workout. That's a bracelet. Take my vitamins. That's another win. Read 10 pages. That's another win. So before I even am out the door to start my work day, I already got five wins under my belt. So I've got all that positive momentum now. And I've already done so many things for myself because the morning, those first hours of the day are so important for each person, each individual. And I really think it sets the tone for your day. It's like if you're supposed to be at work and you wake up at 830, throw some water on your face, get dressed really quick, jump in the car, show up. And now you've only been up for 
30 minutes and you're at work, like you are not the best version of yourself and you're you're not done. You're still waking up No, And now you're doing it for someone else, right? If it's, you're just showing up to a job. Now the first thing you're really doing for the day is for somebody else. So I think the beginning of the day should always be for you. So not, you know, it goes from five 40 to about eight and that's my time. So that's me working on myself. And of course the kids wake up around seven. I'm helping my wife get the kids ready for school and stuff, but that's also my time too, right? Being with the family. And so now I've got all this positive momentum built for the day. And then I really don't know what my wins will be during the day because it's a, every day is different, you know? So like maybe it's, I wanted to get Starbucks and I decide not to, or I was going to have this delicious chocolate candy bar in our office and I have water <laughs> instead, you know, or I don't, I don't have a beer that night or I don't have a whiskey. It, it, it always depends. It's always different, but my morning is pretty much the same. And I try and get those five wins every day before I get it out the door. I love it. That morning routine for me as well is it, it sets the day, the days that I do it. Yeah. My days are amazing. The days that I don't, my days are shit. Yeah. And I it's realize, really, it's really black and white for me too. Yeah. It's the same way for me. And it, me, it's the morning and the night because the middle of the day I'm good. But if I don't win the morning and if I don't win the night, then everything else is shit. Because if I went home tonight and I was like, oh, I had a great day. I'm just going to watch Netflix for four hours and have some whiskey and, and have my snacks. Well, then there's no way I'm winning the next morning. Cause I'll stay up too late. I'll feel like shit. I won't want to get up and do my thing. So it's like really for me, the biggest impact of my life are how I spend the first two mornings of my day or two hours. I'm sorry. And the last two hours, yeah. those four hours dictate my entire life. And I like what you said too. it. You, you mentioned that a win is different for everybody. Yeah. And that's one thing when I was going through a whole bunch of shit in my life, you know, just getting out of bed yep. was a win. Absolutely. It wasn't about the time to get out of bed. It wasn't about, you know, the time or how long I slept or anything. It's just getting out of bed. Right. Because I was in such a depressed state in my mind that it was like, man, I got up. And I think it's important for people in that space because if you are depressed, so you get out of bed at 11, you can feel like I'm wasting my life, but no, you're not. You got up today, you, got you up. know, like that you, you made this positive thing. And, and so I think for those people who are stuck in a, in a bout of disbelief, this, this philosophy allows them the ability to say like, I am winning. Mm-hmm. And the thing is, is that you can only measure success when you look backwards. And so I think we always lose sight of what we've accomplished. So even when like you're doing something that's really, really good and you're really proud of it and you might, but you might feel in the moment, like, Oh, I'm just not as successful. I want to be. But if you look back five years and said, if five years ago, you knew you're going to be doing this at this time with this and this oh. and that, would you be happy? You'd be like, Oh my God, I'd be ecstatic. I would be, I wouldn't even imagine my life. Yeah. Five years ago. But then we can be in that moment and not feel it. You have to look back and and give yourself that ability to remember. That's why I think journals and gratitude and all that stuff is so important because it's so easy to forget what you've done. And I had that even for me when you talk about imposter syndrome. So I'd built my dream home and I, and even now I feel weird talking about it. Like I don't talk about what my dream home is or what my cars are because I feel like, ugh gross. Um, but I shouldn't feel that way. I should you, be excited to say, this is what I built. This is what my house has. Yeah. This is why I love it. I'm sitting there in my living room one night and I'm in the middle of writing my book too. So I'm like, man, I'm a CFO of a, of a million dollar organization. I live in my dream home. I have my dream car. I'm writing a book. Why don't I feel successful? And I was like, this blows, you know, like, what am I doing wrong? And that's when I realized like, I just got to look back and realize how much I've accomplished. And not to say I'm not going to accomplish more, but like I have done it all. Like, and that's why I think bringing you back to the present moment, appreciating all that you've done is so important because you just lose sight of it. Well, I think it's a good question you can ask yourself is what, what got you to this point in your life today? Yeah. That's actually a question that that if I ever feel like stuck or in a rut or 
you know, I just this last week, I asked myself that and I wrote it in my journal, like what got you to this point today in your life? And I only wrote down the good qualities, my characteristics, my, you know, the emotions that got me here, the people that I surrounded myself with. And it's amazing how quickly you can reflect back on all those good qualities and everything good that happened to get you to the point because you're not where you are today from all the shit that happened in your life. It's from the good things that happened. Yeah. It might've been from failure. It might've been from um, suffering, but what got you out of that? What, who got you out of that? And you always remember the wins, right? When you, you look always. back, the well, losses are important because it teaches you skills and it teaches you perseverance and you learn so much in it. But when you look back and romanticize what you've accomplished, you're going to romanticize about the good things. Like I don't ever think about losing that money anymore. Yeah. You know you, what I mean? Like you I look never about think what about you learned it. about it. Yeah, exactly. You know, but going through it. That's all I could think about. That's all you could think about was, was losing it. And yeah. why is this happening to me? Yeah. A lot why? of victim mentality. A lot of victim mentality. So I am a firm believer too is journal. You know, how, how hard is it just to get your journal out and just write down the top three wins of the day? Yeah. You know, that's something that I've been trying to do. Like I'm really good on my morning routine, but the one thing I'm working on is my night routine and I'm, I may be 40% right now off of my 70% consistency. That's funny because I just on Sunday made a commitment to like make my night routine as consistent as my morning routine. And part of it was doing that journaling. And it was funny. I told my wife, like, I want to make a winning the moment journal and here's what I want in it. And I wrote it all down in a notebook. And then I'm reading gap, the gap and the gain. And it's like, you should do this at nighttime. And it's like all the shit I wanted in my (laughs) journal. And I was like, the universe is just like throwing signs. Like, oh, it's all out there. That's the thing is like, pick what works for you. Yeah. That's one thing that I tell people. So many, so many people ask me is like, how do you win the morning so well? How do you do that so well? Um, I give them my regimen, but I follow up really quickly. And just like you said, but it's up to you to pick what works for yeah, you. Right. You know, meditation works for you in the morning. It works for me too. But sometimes it doesn't work for somebody in the morning. Yeah. You know, writing in my gratitude journal first thing in the morning is what gets me going. Yeah. I have to do yeah, that. Yeah, it's good to meditation have that gratitude. and gratitude. You know, sometimes most people, they want to do it at night. Great. I don't care as long as it's a routine that fits your needs. Yeah. My wife this morning, she usually does workouts in the middle of the day when the kids are in school. But this morning she tried it in the morning and she's like, you know what? I don't like it. Great. Didn't work for me. I didn't feel as energized. Like I felt stronger in the afternoon. So now I know like that's how I'm going to do it. I work out in the afternoons as well. I cannot work out in the morning. My morning is my mindset workout. It's not my physical. Workout. I like that. And exercise your mind in the morning. I exercise my mind in the morning. That is, that is the, that's the thing I struggle with the most. So that's what I'm going to work on the first thing. Well, I think it, there's a lot of science too that says like our mind is the clearest in those first couple hours. So like you can accomplish more in those first couple hours of the day mentally oh, than the rest of the day combined. I 120% agree. It's my time. Yeah. And I think, I think for people, if you want to build self-confidence, number one, master your morning routine. Yep. Period. Yeah. Keep those little promises you make to yourself in the morning. Like Ed Milad always says, keep those little promises you make to yourself. Yep. First promise is wake up when you tell yourself you're going to wake up. Yeah, and it's important to build those muscles in your mind where you start believing you're going to show up for yourself, right? That's huge. If you make a commitment to someone else, we know we're going to do it. And your mind, if you're like, I'm going to do this, your mind's like, bullshit, you ain't doing it. Well, I mean, let's talk about that a little bit. I mean, you've you've been wildly successful in entrepreneur, building businesses, selling businesses. I mean, that comes with a solid mindset of belief in yourself. Oh, absolutely. I don't. Where did that come from? You know, I don't know because I've always, even when I was unskilled, like I always believed, you know, like 
as a kid playing sports, I was not naturally gifted at any of them. You know, like I knew my friends were just better than me. Like if we picked up a new sport, they were better than me the day we picked it up. And so I just had to work so hard at it. Like to be good at basketball, I had to put in just so many hours of work to become good. But I guess the confidence was that I will always put in the work. That's really what it stems you from. You believed in your work. Yeah. It's not that I'm naturally gifted or, or I've got this innate ability to do something. It's that I won't be at work. That's one thing I love is talent will only get you so far. Yeah. And I didn't ever have a lot of it, which is no. really kind of lucky because it forced me. Like if, if we're going to go do a sales, like if you and I are going to sell side by side, and this is at my marketing company because we were in sports arenas, right? So it's just a concourse. So there's mm-hmm. all these people walking by you. I will never let the person next to me sell more than me. It's just not happening. You know so you what I mean? The, you got that that competition drive yeah, as well. Huge competition. Like no matter what, like I, you will not sell more than me. I remember, in fact, we had one guy. His name's Cameron, uh, really good friend of mine, and he had had the San Antonio market. He he'd worked with us in wireless. Moved to Texas with us from Cedar City. Never been on a plane before. He flew to t- to Texas. Seriously? Yes, yeah, so like a huge growth for him. And at first, it was just gonna be to work with us. And then we got the San Antonio market. And so we're, we're like, look, we want to give you this market, like go build this for yourself, you know? Um, and so he got San Antonio and he had worked a, a Spurs playoff game and they had struggled and I was asking what's going on. And he's like, well, dude, I'm just as good a salesperson as you. I don't know. Like you couldn't have done any different. And I said, you know, oh. I said, you don't believe that. <laughs> I said, of course I do. I said, no, you don't. He's like, yeah. I was like, okay, I'll be there tomorrow. And so I showed up and I knew like, I got to show him that like, you have more to go. Yeah. Like you have more to learn. You know, you're not, you're, you're not, good, but you're not as good as you're capable of being. And I think that night I sold like 25 and he sold five or something. I don't know. <laughs> and so after I was like, now we can have a real conversation because yeah. now we've, now we've established that that's not the case. And so what are you going to do for your team to be better? You know, how are you going to lead them? Yeah. Knowing that you have to see the opportunity before you can fix it. Well, you led by the front. I yeah. mean, that's true leadership right there. Yeah. As you, you. You showed him, hey, look, this is possible. This is what you got to do. It's doable. I did it. You know, and that's leadership. Yeah, and it does start in your mind. In fact, I'll tell a great story. This is back from the wireless days. Uh, I had a wireless company. I was running here in southern Utah, and they wanted Verizon wanted us to sell tablets. And so we had, like, cheap tablets that were pretty affordable. You could add to your plan. It was, like, pretty easy. And everyone just thought you couldn't do it. So, like, we never sold any. Like, a store's goal for the month would be, like, three. You know, three tablets, a couple hundred phones. And so I was like, I went to one store and I was like, we're going to sell five today. And like, nah, dude, we've never sold five. I was like, no, yeah, we're going to sell five. And I told everyone in the district, we're selling five tablets today. And we did, of course, because I said it first, you know, and then, then what do you think they did? Well, of course you did it there. That's the best location. You can't do that here. So I asked the team, I said, where do you want me to go tomorrow? I said, come to Bloomington. I said, no problem. I'm going to sell five tablets today. And Bloomington was in the Walmart parking lot and it did not get a lot of traffic. So I knew like I better. So I went to Walmart. I bought a folding table and a whiteboard or like a poster board. And I went out and I stood on that on the backside of the store where all the traffic comes in with a sign that said free tablets. And I just stood there and waved it at the cars, you know. And sure enough, we sold five tablets. And so then I went to every single store in the district after one day after the other and we sold five tablets in every location and the thing i wanted the team to learn is it's like it's about how we think about it it starts in your mind it's putting your like, intentions out there. i sold the five tablets before the store even opened yeah i just didn't know who the customers were yet but it was done you it know was already your, it was already a vision in your mind right. you already set the intention and you you went out and did yep. it. and i spoke it into his existence you know like share what you want to do with people because then you've got these people supporting you and the universe is like oh okay like the universe wasn't gonna let me down. They weren't gonna be like, this guy said he's well, gonna do this and I'm not gonna show up for him. I mean, you, you already said it. The universe wants the best for us. Yeah, of course. It it wants to provide us everything we want, what we're yep. seeking. It's our mindset and how we think it. 
Yeah. And too often people are like, oh, I want to be, and I'm just going to say successful, right? Oh, I want to be successful. But then someone's like, hey, I've got this opportunity. You can come sell on the weekend and you can, and you can create this new income. They're like, oh, I don't want to work on the weekends. Oh, I can't work on the weekends. And then the universe is like, oh, okay, he doesn't want it. Yeah. You know, like when I started that side gig that ended up building that company, I had to go on weekends to BYU games and go work at night at UNLV while I had my day job, you know, and I was in Vegas, I had to drive to. And so it's like that kind of commitment showed the universe, like, I do want it. Like, I want more for myself. I'm going to create it. And through saying yes to that, saying yes to that one BYU game on a Saturday, ended up creating a career for me and a way to provide for my family, you know, yeah. but it started with the shitty experience on a Saturday, you know? But you created every single opportunity that came your way. Yeah, right. That's one thing that I want people to understand is it opportunity just doesn't happen by chance. No. Opportunity is created. It's whether you take action upon that opportunity or not that you create. Yep. There's opportunities in front of all of us. We just sometimes don't see it. Yeah. And how do you open your eyes to see it? I think your habits, your behaviors, your surroundings, right? Like the people you surround, because you got to have people build you up. Because if you're with people always like, oh, everything sucks, dude. Like we're just, this just not for us. Like life's against us. Like you're not going to be able to see it because you're clouded with all that negativity. Yep. So make sure that the people you're surrounding yourself are with have that same ambition that you do. And then make sure your habits are aligned. Because if you're not doing all the things, in fact, a good story is when I had my cell phone store on Bluff Street. I had a TV in the back with a PlayStation and my buddy would come, Denny Levin would come play, want to play Madden, you know? And I was like, I can't. He's like, why? I was like, cause I got a cell phones. He's like, no one's in the store. I was like, I know no one's in the store now, but if I go in the back and play PlayStation, I'm putting out the energy that like, I don't care about business. So I'm going to sit up front. So I'm ready mentally because if I'm in the middle of a game and someone comes in, I'm not going to be as good as I will be if I'm out there mentally ready, you know, yeah. I'm just setting the universe a sign that like, I'm committed to this, you know? Um, and so I think that's what it takes. You got to be doing the right things. So when the opportunity is presented itself, you're ready to execute on that opportunity. Well, you're executing on the vision that you have for your life. Yeah. And that's, that's really what you're doing. Yep. It's, I mean, talk about winning the moment, right? You're winning the moment by setting the intention every single moment of yes, your life. Absolutely. And that's the key right there is so many people. Yeah. Okay. I'm going to be in the moment. Being in the moment and having intention within the moment are two totally different things. That's, yeah, you're totally right. That's absolutely true. I mean, if you think about it, it you is, can yeah. be in the moment, just be there. Yep. But what are you really accomplishing? Yeah. Whereas if you set the intention, yeah. hey, I got to be at my 100% out here. I know there's no customers, but I got to be on my A game. So when that customer does come in, I'm selling that phone. And I feel like my energy was more attracting of customers if I was out there ready to go. I mean, just think, hanging out in the back. Think it about relay. I mean, I mean, this is hitting home for me because even just in relationships at home, how often do we come home from work and we're with our spouse and we want to be in the moment with them, but we're just in the moment. There's no intention behind it. Yeah. There's no intention behind that relationship of connecting with our spouse, connecting with, with our loved one and actually being there with intent. Yeah. Cause you might just be sitting there in the living room with them, but you're thinking about something else. Exactly. So even though your body is present, your mind isn't. Yeah. And that's why set an intention in every aspect of life in every moment of life. And it's hard sometimes, sometimes you won't. Yeah. And it's okay. It's okay. It's, to okay, not, to fail. it's okay to not have that intention set every single moment, every single day. It's okay. Yeah. I'm not striving for perfection. I'm striving for progress. Exactly. And progress could be a simple 1% better every single day. Yeah. Cause over the course of your life, that 1% makes a huge difference. Oh, it's 365% a year. Yeah. I'll take that. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> I take that growth. I'll take that growth a drop any day. Yeah. You know what I'm saying? Yep. And that's what's so important. That's one thing I'm so excited to read your book about just because giving me those concepts of, okay, 
like you said too, it's like they're concepts we've all heard. Yeah, nothing. I got nothing new to share. Nothing new to share. And that's one thing I love about it is if we had new things to share, we would already be mastering winning the moment. Yeah. It's funny too. It's probably the worst sales pitch ever for a book because I got nothing new to share, but I think it's almost what makes it sell <laughs> because it's like, oh, that's interesting. What's it about then? You know, exactly. like it kind of creates that intrigue, but it's true. It just, everything that's worth saying has been said by someone, you know, but maybe you just couldn't connect with those people and you can connect with me. And I hope, and that's what I hope. Well, I'm excited to read it. Well, what, what, what's next for Cody? And yeah, you, we, yeah, where are you going we next? We kind of asked that question yeah. and then we somehow got completely off of it. That's one thing I love uh, about this, man. <laughs> <laughs> I think that um, this now creates the opportunity for me to be able to reach to a larger audience to really help make a difference, right? I think too many people think that life is difficult and life isn't difficult. Their thoughts about life make it difficult. So Eckhart Tolle has this quote where he says, your happiness... I actually really like that. Yeah. So his his quote is, you aren't unhappy because of what's happening in your life. You're unhappy because of what you think about is happening in your life, right? It's how you think about the thing that derives your happiness. And so I think that is life. Like life is meant to be amazing and it's meant to be enjoyed. And if we can get out of our own way, we can do that. And I want to create a platform for people to really, because we only get one of them as far as I know, maybe, you know, maybe you get more. I don't know. I don't know yet, <laughs> but we only consciously get this one. So you better make it count, you know? Yeah. And so now my, my hope is to be able to get on to stages and speak and like I got to speak at SUU and do my first winning the moment speech to the students last week and that was amazing and students came up to me after and they're like oh it was like you were speaking right to me like this was so helpful awesome. and I really needed this and she started giving me like her life story and was like wow after one hour like this girl's all ready to like share all this intimate stuff with me because she feels like I'm coming from a like a good positive place you yeah. know and I was really able to help her and I hope make a difference and so I want to do that for as many people as possible like I want to be in a audience with a thousand people and and do a workshop and make a difference for them and and show them that and and then ultimately what's great about that is if there's a thousand people in there probably half of them will think I'm full shit and half half of them will love it so there's 500 people who are bought in well those 500 people probably have five close friends you know and so they're going to go back and be like oh my gosh you're not going to believe what what I learned and half of them are going to think it's bullshit and half of them are going to like it but that just spreads you know and if we can raise the consciousness of as many people as possible and get them to appreciate and be happy with with their lives that's going to make a huge difference in the world I love it I love it do you have any other books that you're going to be writing so I want to do a podcast called the winning the moment podcast and I want to take basically do exactly what you're doing now and have people come share their biggest wins or biggest losses and just get all of that data to now say, cause my book is not about like, this is how to be successful. It's really about you defining it for yourself. But I think the next step will be, well, I want to know what an Alex does in the morning. So I'm going to give them that and not to say, and I won't say, here's the one thing you should do. I'll say this person does it this way. This person does it this way. This person does it this way. And now you, 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 you curate your morning. Here, here are yourself. the common themes for all yes. three or four. Uh-huh. How about it? Yep. And then give them it. that data. Cause my book's not overly data driven. It's, it's, it's thought driven. Concept. So, yep. So now I think the next step would be give them the data to say, here's this collective of people who are, who are really kicking ass in life. Here's what they're doing. Take take what you want from it. I love it. Where can people find you? So if you just go into like Google and Google Cody Aiden, it's basically going to pull up everything for you. Uh, you can buy the book pretty much anywhere books are sold. So I say, if you have a favorite platform, go to that. If it's Barnes and Noble, it's Amazon, wherever you love to go buy your book, buy it there. You can of course buy it for me at CodyAden.com. You can buy the winning the moment bracelets on CodyAden.com. Uh, if you buy the book for me, then I'll sign it for you uh, before I send it out to you. And then uh, if you're in hospitality or you're looking for branding or marketing, you can go to the vibrant team.com and that'll show you all of our portfolio and all the work that we do. Awesome. Well, Cody, thank you so much for being on. 
Yeah, absolutely. I really appreciate this. I hope people take some notes and I can't wait to have you back on in a couple of years with your new book and see yeah. how far you've gotten and, and where you're going next. Yeah, we'll go three years from now. Three years from now. Let's <laughs> yes. do it, man. Let's All right. do it. Well, thank you so much for being on, man. Yeah, thanks, I appreciate Alex. appreciate it.